Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. Hey, Kenny's hey. just on our way. Right on. Good How you doing, man. Thank you. For, thank you for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Sorry about. Uh, it took a little bit of uh, oh. jumping in back and forth. Um, we oh, are good. actually. Um, yeah, we've been traveling for the last little bit, so it's been a little bit hectic. Yeah, all good, man. All good. Yeah, I was just looking forward to, uh, you know, uh, like I think everybody in Vancouver, you know, we're fans of your band. We love, uh, you know, the success you guys have had. We're looking forward to the new record and stuff. So, yeah, yeah here's man, Danny. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited. Hey, right on. Cool. Hey, man. Yeah, thanks, How's it going? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing really well. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Oh, thank you for hanging out with me. Yeah. Uh, have you guys managed to evade the world's biggest dodgeball game? Have you got COVID? Uh, yeah, we, we, so the tricky thing is right actually like a month ago, you, we, we both felt really sick. We, we went to the first show when it opened up in Vancouver and we felt like we got it, but yeah. we took a test and it was negative, but they say those home tests, you can't really trust a negative. So we just assumed that we got it. What, right. what like, did you get it? Yeah, the family managed. We all managed to get it over uh, Christmas break, and it hit my wife pretty hard. I know, and it was the like because you know that's the time I get off work from BCIT as well, and like wow, the shittiest time. But uh, yeah, it wasn't that bad. Like for me personally, you know, I'm kind of sick right now. I got a bit of a chest thing, bit of a a face thing going on, and I feel more sick now than I did when I had COVID. Shoot! Oh dang! That's it's it's one of like yeah, it didn't hit me very hard at all. But, But I am also vaxxed and i'm boosted and right you know i'm, I'm ready nice. to go did, nice. did you guys have to cancel any shows because of COVID? um yeah two, we two years like, of shows yeah. Yeah. Two, well i guess that, yes <laughs> stupid <Yeah>. question <laughs> no no it's not stupid it was it was for everybody it was a curveball of how do you um how do you navigate this time in the world it wasn't it wasn't easy for anybody in the no. in the music community, but for us, we were just we did some online stuff. We did some. It what? it it affected us like any other band. I think because it was long enough of a period. Yeah, it was. At first, when it happened, we were kind of like we lucked out because we are in writing a new album, working on the new album, which is coming out April eighth. Uh, Spirit. Yep. And um and yeah. and the thing is is like but then it dragged on a long time and you know when it comes to summertime a lot of bands you know when you're on cycle or off cycle you play festivals and it's kind of like it kind of carries you through and so we feel fortunate that we're able to do music and we're able to make it through the pandemic and now we're here it seems like you know good things ahead and our albums coming out so it feels we feel like we try not we to think about what it. we lost, but we try yeah. to think that we made it through. We weathered it. Yeah, and then, as normal as it could be, I suppose, right now for you guys. Right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You know, and I've talked to a lot of bands uh, over the last couple of years, obviously, it's what I do. 
Uh, and there's a lot of people that were like, oh man, my, my creativity was stifled. I didn't feel like picking up a, a guitar. I didn't feel like writing anything. In fact, mm. I, I didn't have a muse to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I kind of want to ask that, but obviously the, the creativity with you guys, with the Deer Rouge camp was mm -hmm. there because like you see, uh, you were only a few days away from spirit yeah. uh, being released. Yeah, how, we, was, how, how was this different than recording like a past album? Oh, that that's a long question. How, how long? How was it different? Yeah. It was dark and and shitty. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like I said to Thomas Darcy, I was like, I'm sad to leave because this is a bubble world where everything's okay in this world. Like we were walking from our Airbnb to the studio in Toronto, and it was it was easy. It was almost like point A, point B. That's your world. You couldn't do anything else. And for me, it was like, that makes the most sense at this point in my life. And I'm able to almost take my experiences and put them into song and be in this like sort of Thomas Darcy's studio, Torah Studios. That's where we recorded. Yeah. It's like a museum of synths. Yeah, it's incredible. And musicians coming through and just, it's a community. So we were there and we were just like, out of any place we should be at this moment in time, it's here. Um, even though this point in history is very painful for a lot of people. So we were here, we were at that so, state and we recorded the album and it was, it was beautiful. So in a way the, this bubble world was like the best place to be in recording new music because it was like, we're okay with like being alone at this point in time yeah. and and long story short we were able to dig in the corners and we had more time to try to make the album that we wanted to make nice hockey uh, reference by the way i like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> long story short but then we like we all none of the musicians were touring we had to make the record differently because of covid so we got a like we have uh uh, Justin Peroff from Broken Social Scene, Brendan Canning, uh, mm -hmm. Sheepdogs played horns on it, like a variety wow. of cast. We got like Drew Drecka who played strings for Dua Lipa. They're all in Toronto because they're not touring. And, you know, musicians, when they set out to make a record, they want to make a different record or they want to take a step. And we were basically forced to take a step. And it felt like the result essentially. Um, I tell people, I'm like, I have to tread lightly in my enthusiasm because every artist has to think that their next record's the best. And this well, record, how do you, how do you, how do you say that without saying it? This but record's I, amazing. But we, I think we birthed I, it out of pain. But everyone the says that. place to make a record is out of pain and tragedy. <laughs> right. I mean, look at uh, Fleetwood Mac rumors. Yeah, I guess so. And so I think that's it's, where... That's the, such a great reference. And because the in the pudding. they hated each other at the time. Oh. And you're like, that was the most heartfelt thing that they made because they actually weren't thinking about what they were making. They were just communicating. And in the same way, the hardest point about this record for Spirit, for Dear Rouge, is that how much do we want to say? It's not like what was coming out of us. It's like how dark how how open do we want to be in this world that we're in at this point in time and i even see about the cover of spirit it's tears and war paint and when i say that to people like spirit eyes the cover it was forest fires pandemic are some of our personal losses and family culminating into writing the record 
the cover, taking the photo shoot, not knowing it was just through an iPhone. We took the photo and it was out in the middle of the water. And it's like, that's the culmination of all those things. You couldn't just make that happen. It's just through the time frame. It's just like a, a timestamp. And that, that's the record. And we're so excited to share it because it's coming through an honesty. Essentially, you, essentially. You couldn't we, get other than through pain. Essentially, <laughs> we feel like it's our most sincere record yet. And the label and our team and stuff, they all feel the same way. So that's really good. Yeah. Right. So you, you could almost say it's the reverse of uh, creativity being stifled. It sounds like you almost had like too much of a well to draw from. I agree. Ooh, yeah. I, I yeah. That's, that's entirely true. We just need to package it in the right way. And, um, you know, we want to, we want to curate our, like artists, we love writing songs. Like we, we can write a ton of songs, but we want to be able to deliver like a good batch of songs and what we feel confident in for our fans, especially on our third album. Mm -hmm. You know, we're really hoping that this kind of solidifies Dear Rouge as a, a national Canadian act that they're like, yeah, this band's not going anywhere. They're always around. And yeah. we feel like, yeah, we feel like we have spent 10 years of writing together and starting our relationship to China to kind of get to this point. I also feel, and for me, it's like maybe this is where we're a duo, is that I love that we're being as honest as we can be in this moment in time. It's like for us, it's like we're growing constantly and our art is growing through us. And it's like the honesty and vulnerability aspect of, of who we are as people is the part that's most exciting. And that I think is what's coming out of this music and this time frame is that we can't help but be more honest and more real because of the season of time we wrote this album in. So I think it's our most exciting. And Bowie said it best when you're going in the deep end. And I can't, I can't remember the total quote, but it's like, deep end is the most exciting it's, it's when you you feel like you're you're intimidating is when you're on the on the brink of something actually artistic and for us i think that's where we're at and there is the long story short in a 10 minute long question <laughs> <laughs> story where we kind of not at all not, not, there's no time constraints here now you drew you were just saying like you know you've been writing for 10 years like dear rouge has been around since 2012. right does it right. feel for you guys like it's gone by kind of fast. Like, oh, is yeah. it going to I 10 years or is it like, holy crap, 10 years? It, it doesn't, it, it feels like a long 10 years, but it feels like a short 10 years. So the answer is both. It feels like a warp where everything happened. It feels like a different lifetime ago. Yeah. And I guess for us, we're really, you know, the team, our label, our agent, our bandmates, everybody is really, really excited about this record, which makes us excited because we don't really know how it's going to be received. But we feel personally that this truly is like kind of the record we wanted to make like when we first started. We kind of like we've earned a little bit of, of like notoriety. We can play some shows. We got some good announcements coming up. You know, we feel like a band and we feel like we have access to good musicians like bands that I respect so much. We're able to play on our record. And I think that's where it feels like this weird warp to the past but very present it's like it, this record was like it, it's almost like the first two records were essential for us to make the record that we're about to release yeah 
Yeah, it's kind of weird. You can hear me dancing and thinking around it because, you know, I don't, we, we don't want to be overconfident um, because we just make the music and we're tied to the art. We don't want to self-proclaim how people should feel. Yeah. But we're hoping that people can sense that sincerity and excitement that we have. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe talk about, um, you know, cause right out of the gate, you guys won the, the peak performance project, 102,700 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> How did like, talk about maybe the, the boost that it gave the band and also what did you spend it on? So for us, the bigger story there is that I wanted to quit music altogether. And the big really? story around it is that I had a project before Dear Rouge called L. It was from my hometown. I worked with this guy who was basically a sociopath and I lost a bunch of money. My investors lost a bunch of money and I wanted to quit entirely. I was one of those jaded people and I met Drew and he was like, you can't stop. You love what you do. Mm -hmm. Let's just make something for fun. Let's make something that makes you happy. And I see you being a vibrant person let's do something with that vibrancy with that just genuine excitement for life and he really encouraged me to not stop and we were just we weren't even a thing at this point like drew and i weren't um, married or anything we made the the ep and then we got married and like a year and a half around a year and a half we took a big fat loan out of the bank and we were newlywed so we had gotten married took the loan out paid off my prior like dream catching sort of opportunities and said like let's just see what happens if we release the ep so we released the ep and got into the contest and i remember just being in my car crying being like this wasn't supposed to happen like i was supposed to stop doing pursuing this dream and so we just put the ep out there it's crazy that's crazy yeah and we ended up getting into the contest and through a series of events that were like very god-like where it was like a miracle like we ended up getting into the contest and winning first place and we hadn't even played a show before we entered the contest so we were we were trying to culminate enough enough stuff to like do a 20 minute set like was the fake it till you make it can I can I pick up from it? Sure. Okay, so we I always tell people when we won first place, we won money towards our music career, not just cold hard cash. <laughs> Which is good because we probably would have like mm-hmm. probably would have set up a little bit differently. Well, but you it get forced scared. us it you forced us. So we paid our first record. We used that money to make our first record black to gold. We used it to tour. We used it to promote three songs to radio. So we did three songs, three tours, and literally at the end of that money that we got from the peak, we broke I Heard a Had on Canadian radio, and then we signed a deal with Universal, and we became an actual band, and we became self-sustaining. We didn't have to go back to our jobs. It's, it was, it's a wild story, and we're trying to sum it up right now a little bit, but it, it could literally be like an another one of those Cinderella story. Yeah. So if, I, if this album does really good maybe we'll get to do like a netflix special <laughs> yeah, you never, there's you a good know. enemy in the story there's a good bad guy in the story loads of bad guys they're loads all around <laughs> but the other thing is is that the biggest thing i tell people is most people they opt out too early 
And I think we, we often sell ourselves short too early and we stop from dreaming and letting those things guide us because we have to be mature and we have to, we have to like sign into the like life thing of this is what happens now. And a lot of people have an artist in them that's like, don't stop trying. And they kind of shut that up a little bit because it's not real life or something. Adulthood kind of shuts but, us down. But, but, yeah. And from my experience, it's like when I was about to quit, I, I just needed a friend, Drew McTaggart, uh, slash like man who like believed in me. But in general, that's like someone you love, like a mom, a dad, a brother, sister, that's like a friend that's like, friend, you yeah. are good at what you do. Like why make it something in the back burner? And the biggest thing at, with le at least make it something that, that you do constantly. I hate that a lot of people say I used to be a guitar player, but now I have to like pay the bills. I'm like, but why can't you still play guitar? You can play guitar without making money and you can be in a band without making money and that's like why you do it and Danny Danny when we first met she said I want to quit music and I'm like then you didn't really love music Are you just trying to get a job or you do you love music? Do you write music? Is it a part of your being because to do music as a job is an is an honor, you know, like all the like, you know, Todd like all the all the entertainment industry it's so fleeting and so transient can and, be, and, can and you be. Oh, sure, and oh, sure. you get the opportunity you're just grateful that you get that opportunity to be in the industry and that's kind of where we're at and we like to think that you know if all this went away we would still be creating music because we love it mm -hmm. interesting what's the music in your each house as a kid growing up oh we had like it's great I, uh, we both grew up in very conservative, like Christian households. So to get into like the real good stuff, it took us a little bit of time. And Teenagers. maybe the fact, maybe the fact that we're late bloomers helped us out with Dear Rouge because, you know, when we, when we, I grew up and like every kid in Vancouver, you know, it was Creed and Nickelback and that whole rock movement, which I'm not knocking. It was a time. I was into it. I learned guitar. I knew how to play all the songs on guitar. We don't need to talk about what it was. It was the most popular at that point. Yeah. But then really the, you know, the broken social scene movement with everyone out East Canadian indie music really transformed me because I just transferred from like actual rock into indie rock. And then I realized that some of the best bands were from Canada. And then I was like, I'm starting a band. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. You know, Drew had a band called McLean before I ever came into the picture. Okay. And McLean, you can still look it up on Spotify. The songs are so beautiful. It's and like pretty music. Drew, Drew like is a Death great, for Cutie kind he's of a thing. great singer. And okay, that okay. was like something that actually drew me to him. Drew. <laughs> drew me to Drew. Anyways. Is that a he, joke? No. It's just, just I'll insert the rim shot later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you edit that out? Of the, okay. <laughs> no, it's cute. Anyways, um, he uh, he's such a great songwriter. And that, that project's still available. You can go check it out. Okay. My stuff at the time was not <laughs> as awesome. <laughs> I was still finding my niche, but also the people to work with, like, 
where in Alberta, there wasn't much of a music scene. I don't give myself enough credit to be like, I just didn't have anyone to help me. You really stood up. Like I, really I actually okay. just did it all on my own. Like my own songwriting ability was like built in. I didn't have and any. That's why when I met you, you were a singer songwriter and you were amazing. But then I also met your personality. I'm like, this should be, you should be like a festival singer. Like you should be doing like something where you can run around on a well, huge your stage. Your help was awesome. It was built in. It was just, it was definitely me, but I didn't have the influences and Red Deer, Alberta, like Bo's Bar and Grill the venue is is amazing. That didn't exist ever growing up. The only thing I had was the VAT, which was like a like weird, honestly weird venue with like a cover band and like a open mic night with crazy. Like if you went, it was like not not good. Some nights it was okay. That's all that I had to influence me. I mean, I had conservative background. So like, if I'm being really honest, like I didn't really have any insight and it kind of makes me sad sometimes. Wow. Like I didn't have anyone to like guide me in my influences. And that's like, I haven't actually said that like in any interview, it's like, I'm kind of like, I grieve that sometimes. I'm like, why didn't I have anybody that was like, you got to listen to Led Zeppelin. You got to listen to the Beatles. You have to listen to like Janis Joplin. You yeah. even like, I don't know, R&B, old R&B, like some of the stuff, like I just found on my own. And the cool thing for me is that like, I actually got to do music and that says to me, like the heart of a person is stronger sometimes than the learning of a person, like the spirit of somebody. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh -huh. For me, like even this record coming up, it's like called Spirit because it's one of the main lyrics in it is take me back to why we started in the first place. The whole idea that like what you are is what defines like your story, your passion for what you do is what defines what you make. It doesn't necessarily have to come from prestige, which I would say I, I come from like a simple background. And in that way i'm like i am i'm powerful because most people don't have a bunch of money and a bunch of like like a, a loving family like i have good family but but we have drama like most people <laughs> oh my god like yeah. it's, it's uh, if uh, you most actually have some drama talk yeah, to people god. who you think would have a like a court like an easy time you're like shit that's heavy and yeah. most people that aren't saying it, they wish they could say it. So for me, it's like, it's hard to sometimes own up to my history. But in that way, I'm like, maybe that's why people care in the first place. So this totally. record is all about that, you know? Yeah. And how cool to think that you guys are now influencing other people too. Oh man, yeah, I, we, we hope anyone who's listening to this podcast um and who's into music we love being able to chat with people who want to do it because we feel like our story is a gift to us and we want to encourage other people to do it and not do it in a frivolous way not do it in a nonsensible way but to do music because music is so powerful and such a communication it, tool you know you can talk about the money in music separately but just doing music or being a part of music is why why you have to do it 
That's no. why you have to do it in the first could, place. Could you even just imagine a world without music? I'd fucking die. Yeah. No. Yeah, die. seriously. We yeah. just listened to um, You Can't Always Get What You Want, but if you try sometimes, you get what you need. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is it's such pathetic. wisdom. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I need to hear that so bad right now. And even as I say, it's like, I don't have to tell you the band everybody knows everybody knows who said that everybody knows was why he said that and it's so powerful and yeah. it's just it's just, it's beautiful first first concerts Ooh. oh my gosh i think the first real I, i'm gonna say first real concert that's a good first real concert was our lady peace in vancouver I forget the venue like by themselves or is that the summer somersault that they did it would have been it would no it was in in a venue in a venue i remember it was my first real show where i was like such a fan they were taking over when i was in high school the weird thing is is um rain made a their band is really into our band and they asked us to go on the somersault reunion tour so nice. they, which was we are the only like newer band but it was our lady piece live and bush and rain was like we got to have dear rouge some female representation and uh, we got to play a handful of dates with them and it was like it was really really fun took me back to yeah my first concert i would yeah. say my first concert is like again real concert like i'd seen lights our lady peace these things that came through alberta like red alberta small town but my first real experience of feeling music was I went to Coachella in Palm Springs with a friend. I thought I could just buy tickets at the gate. <laughs> <laughs> and I like was like, you can't just like buy tickets at the door. They're like, there's no door. People buy like a year That's in advance. Cool. I was like, okay. So I put my sandals on my wrists. I'm like, you guys go in, I will find a way. Put my sandals on my wrists. I bombed it through the security and snuck in and I got to see the best acts in the world. She was, saw Flea and Tom York. And I, I saw Adams for Peace. I saw Jay-Z. I saw like Sega Rose. I saw Pe <laughs> Peach Pit. I was just like, what is Peach happening? Peach Pit was not a lot. Yeah, they were. Passion Bit. Oh, Passion Bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I always get them mixed up. I saw... Um, uh, who else did I see? I saw Beyonce was there. Many great, many, acts. many, and Anyways. then I snuck in again by hopping, by the, hopping fence. the fence uh, with this random dude, and it was amazing. And at the time, I had not experienced that. I still laugh to this day. Like that was probably like fifteen years back, and I just like can't believe that was my first like real experience. <laughs> It was amazing. Uh, Danielle, you were amazing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Thank you. Fear is not a thing. Just go for it. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah, don't encourage anyone listening. Don't don't try yeah. that these days don't, at Coachella. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, you will get shot. <laughs> Guys, I said I was going to be like 15, 20. We're well past that now. So wow. uh, I do want to respect your time. I do have a few other questions I want to get to. Though. Okay, let's sure, do let's, it. Let's, let's, uh, let's do rapid, rapid oh. fire. Cool, cool. Uh, so I want to talk about uh, playing the Grey Cup Festival. Uh, in, what was that? A couple, two, three years back. I guess right before the pandemic. Yeah. Are you, are you big sports fans? Are you big football fans? Yeah, I find I, I find a lot, a lot of um, a lot of 
you know, a lot of the Canadian music industry is in Toronto, and Toronto is such a big sports market. And so, you know, we when we've been traveling out there uh, to meet the label and the agents, we always go to baseball games, basketball games, and kind of just hang out. And so kind of also with music for me, it's like a big switch off because I don't, I just don't think about music as much. Whereas if I listen to the radio or listen to music or watching a show, I'm thinking about music a lot and mm-hmm. uh, sports kind of allows me to escape a lot. So yeah, I'm a pretty big sports fan. Cool. You know, I'm not huge into CFL, but it was, it was great that we got to be a part of like the history. And so I respect that about Canadian culture. Um, her dad is a huge football fan. So I grew up watching Edmonton Eskimos. That was like our big gray cup festival. Our, our like celebration around sports was around the CFL. Yeah. So I had a, a lot of love to that experience. I got to invite my mom and dad and my brothers. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and my dad like took the sign, took like yeah, a poster, awesome. and was like, "That was his only time actually getting to go to it." Yeah, so that it was, was our biggest gig really in, in her household. It's more about why it matters to your life. In the end of the at the end of the day, like if your parents care, if your siblings care, and that's what it was for me. So that was really cool. Yeah, that's very cool. What have, What have you guys been uh, binge watching? lately oh man okay so Ozarks. we yeah we watched yeah, Ozarks. So good, hey? we watched um severance yeah there's this new apple show called severance um about they alter the mind so funny. basically they don't clone a person but they put a chip in their brain so that when they go to work they can turn into another person and then when they leave work they can leave it at work and so <laughs> it's directed by ben stiller and it's kind of Obviously, the people who are in there try to escape, and so it's kind of like a fun, this flag means fun drama. Death. Yeah, this flag means death. Our flag means death. Our flag means um, death, which is hilarious. HBO, it's like it's really good. That's, I like that question. That's what we've been binge watching. Severance, wouldn't that be nice to actually be able to do that? Just fucking no, 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 watch the show. You have to no, watch the show. No, no. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> no, it sounds pretty awesome. It's no, work. no, one episode in there. No. Come back home. No. You're like, no. You gotta watch it. No, no, no. You're no. gonna feel differently after Don't you listen watch. to Todd. <laughs> uh, do, do you guys get into the, uh, like, the superhero movies? Uh, Wonder Woman, Deadpool? I like Wonder Woman. Oh, I yeah. am done. I feel I feel annoyed by Marvel. It's like a cash grab. I, I No, I did. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just too like, many shows coming out, you think? I miss yeah. Star Wars. It's I miss not- Lord of the Rings early days where, like, at least half or 60% was like actually made by human. Right. I'm, I'm done with CGI. I feel like I just can't connect to like, I know it's green screen. It feels like a ride and I don't want to spend two hours on a ride. Yeah. If it was five minutes, I would sure, prefer I'll watch a storyline with a human being not, saying like, we're not my life it. sucks or my life is amazing. Whatever the dialogue is, I miss good story. But writing. not knocking anyone who's into it because my brother's really like yeah. into he, the chronological um, Marvel universe, I and I, it's kind on. of cool to have like, you know, to have a system. There's just so many of them, so it's a big commitment. Yeah, I like yeah. the new Batman. Did you see it? No, I haven't, but I heard it's awesome. It's sick, but you yeah. have to watch it at the theater yeah. and in a very dark room so you can see what's going on. You know, I watched the the latest uh, Spider Man in theater. Oh, nice! Nice. I don't know if you've ever been in a theater where on the sides it also shows part of the movie. Oh, Oh, snap. That's insane. No, I haven't. Mind trip. It's just the craziest. Like, as he's swinging through the streets and shit, 
you see sides of buildings. Yeah, it's amazing. Peripheral. We got we got to do that. Yeah, so cool. Got that. Where was the last place you guys vacationed? We are on vacation right now. Oh, That's no, why we are. Can you tell? Oh my God, <laughs> I'm like, on vacation. We're on a bed. Oh, that's the nice. worst. You should have told me to take a hike. We could have done no, this. No, 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 no. We're, we're, we're at the end. It's and fine. And we've it's been great. working all along because we have the release coming up. So yep. it's not like a official, like we put an email vacation. It's more just like we are in a hot place and we're doing a little bit of work. So nice. we're happy to be here. Nice. Nice. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll ask two more and, I, and I'll wrap it up here. Okay. I want you each to share a near-death story where you're like, okay. holy crap, I could have died just now. Okay, I um, was dating Danielle and I was longboarding in Alberta and uh, we didn't have a helmet, so wear your helmet. Um, and I didn't wear a helmet because we were on a path in a park um, and then her brother said, let's take that hill. And I was like, actually, I'm not that good. But then I was like, I'm not going to say no. Worst case scenario, I'll just roll on the grass. Right. And the longboard got going too fast, shot out, and I like literally went headfirst in the pavement and I was unconscious and they flew me from Red Deer to Edmonton. I should have been paralyzed or dead. Um, but all I lost was my smell. So kind you of have related no sense to of the, smell. I have no sense of smell. So like Danny's probably been during this whole interview. <laughs> oh my gosh. Let, letting out the brown That's ghosts. true. <laughs> okay, you go. Oh you my, go. I'm so embarrassed. Do you like how quick that story was? I did it in like, and he like the Coles you know, notes like, version. I'm sure there was like a good yeah, five minutes. It's like the hard facts. And I uh, like, it, you know what the thing is, is like, it was very extreme. You but could have even just said my feet smell or something, but you went right to the most embarrassing okay, thing. Okay, I take it back, interviewers. It wasn't I... the whole time. It was just here and there. Yeah, yeah, just a little, oh little crop dusting. <laughs> okay, here you go. <laughs> All right. My near death was a music video, actually, for Dear Rouge's first like Come on. really you. yeah it's a song that's not out there anymore and, it's on uh, Degrassi. No, it's on it's still i think you can listen it's called thinking about you we were on the roof of a like probably i don't know 60 20 story 30 story it wasn't that high it was it's yeah, smaller okay, okay. And smaller uh, high enough um, to be dead <laughs> yeah <laughs> high enough you don't want to fall off yeah that's pretty, and, dark, uh, pretty dark but whatever i don't have a fear fights i literally was just like free form there was no like uh any fencing any structure around the top of the building and, and the we guy was like the guy was like you guys can go up you can use the high like rooftop for your video so we went up and i was just like selfieing <laughs> <laughs> and i got so oh, close to the edge just trying to get the perfect shot this guy was like whoa 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 whoa!" i was literally like one right. step away from going like, back i literally i'm i'm sure i would have caught myself because i'm very strong but i don't know it was scary it was and terrifying. i and i was like i was like i think that could have been really bad <laughs> yeah and i um i think that's my near death i'm pretty i'm pretty um pretty on it with with 
scary situations oh. where I know where I am. <laughs> We've had that it, this, I, this question is actually an hour long podcast. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to talk about all our nine lives, we got I know, them. right? Like, and that's yeah, the reason I almost got sure. like, everybody I talk to, almost like 90% of the people I talk to. Usually drowning, I, right? I got like, some everybody has a story. Like, everybody yeah. has had a brush with it. I got some intense ones for sure. Yeah. There yeah. is more than one. All right, last question. Dear Rouge, uh, won the Juno for uh, Breakthrough Group of the Year 2016. Where does that stack in like career highlights? Can you nail it down to one career highlight? Uh, that would not be the one that I would choose for a career highlight, but it's the most tangible. So, yeah. you know, award yeah. shows. Like up to that point, I felt like we were working so hard and we had so many experiences and we got so many opportunities. Um, but when I tell people we won the Juno, it's a tangible thing that they can relate to and the most accessible thing, you know, because sometimes I'm like when we toured with this band and it depends if people care about the band or not. Um, but the True. Juno's is truly like we got more than winning. We got to perform on it. And they announced us as the the winners of that Juno. So it was like, I, I, you know, it kind of just sums it up. And so it's an easy way of saying that. That's what I, I would say is like, it's not what the award, um, winning the award, it was the representation of what the award meant. And we were breaking through, we were breaking as a band and we became a Canadian band through that process. So. Yeah, I think it was amazing. Like I had a, a dream when I was a kid of doing music for a career and in that moment I, I had a flashback of that and I was probably like 10 and I had in that moment of performing actually more than winning performing I felt like that yeah. was that that was that yeah. and I and I, it was really special to me so I always be thankful to the Junos for that uh, also it's just like anything in life it's hard to have people say you stamp you as being something and it's not about that like people's view of you mm. it's not the most important thing but when well, it shouldn't have, matter yeah well, yeah when you have moments so where people like they they recognize your hard work it is special mm -hmm. i think it's it's easy for people to be like i'm cooler than that whatever but it isn't it isn't that it, it is like just like validation of that you did do what you dreamed you should do and you did it in some capacity which is important mm -hmm. and you take that throughout your life it's and kind of a, it's it's, val it's validating and it's a kind of a special. nod though it's kind of a nod though for people who hate on award shows um it's not about the people who didn't win but the winners actually it does mean something and it's, it's i think just though. being being, being just, nominated is important. is winning but people get caught up in the competition of it so I, yeah, like I said, award shows isn't what music is about, um, but rarely what we do is something tangible. I would say uh, we got to play Skookum Stanley Park to 15,000 people, and that felt like we were playing a real show to our hometown. Um, That's cool. First sold out show. You know, early stuff, the breaking stuff was the most important because we were like, mm -hmm. oh my line. gosh. And, and we had a tour manager with us and he said, Drew, you know, you're playing a sold out show in Toronto and he's like, you guys will sell out tons of other shows. You'll play bigger shows than this. But right now this feels the best because you've never had it before. And so that, that kind of was all a part of that Juno, you know, 
process and the Juno was just that like little cherry on top. So yeah, it's kind of the breaking is, is all really exciting. And as we're talking to you, you know, it's cool to remind ourselves of all this because we get to release another album and we love this album and I hope that people really enjoy it. Um, and I hope that it moves the needle for De Rouge. Um, but if they, if it doesn't, we are satisfied with what we created. April 8th spirit new dear rouge i'm gonna let you guys get back to your vacation thank you for <laughs> yeah. taking the time out to hang with the Toddcast here in your hometown Toddcast, thank <laughs> you so much for even considering to chat with us are you kidding me i love you guys i'm oh, i honestly love is, you guys what you oh, nice. do is so special and we are honored to be part of the story that you're creating and all the effort to to get it out into the world you're you're really awesome. So come, thank you so come much. Come hang out with us at a show. Uh, we're Absolutely. playing Dance Joy Rogers Arena. We have an opening slot for an unnamed beautiful band in August that will come at the end of April. Wow. And then we have a headline show that's not announced. We'll be it's in Vancouver in the fall. Down the shoot. Right. Lots of good stuff ahead. So I'll good. make a Vancouver show and uh, yes, we'll God. And, uh love to see you guys. Thanks okay. again for doing this. Have a great night and we'll see you online. Anytime. Thanks so much for having us. The Toddcast Podcast. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at Toddcast Podcast. Hey, I'm Jillian Clare, the host of the podcast, Thanks for Coming In. I've accumulated some pretty crazy audition stories over the past 20 years, and so have my friends. And I was like, you know what? No, not gonna do this. And then Disney calls and is like, we need you to come test for the Ant-Man movies. I didn't know if my scene was gonna get cut or not. Ooh, I could play that. Tune in every Thursday to hear your favorite actors tell the funniest, saddest, and most cringeworthy audition stories. Sometimes even the one that got away. Thanks for Coming In is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.